Okay, as in go. Sorry, one second. Fork Tales, a podcast that feeds the food and beverage world. Oh, awesome. Fortales is brought to you by Vigor, a branding and marketing agency for passion-driven, innovative restaurant, beverage, and hospitality brands. Learn more at vigorbranding.com. If you love what we're serving up, please give Fortales a five-star review on your podcast service of choice. Think of it as a tip for good service. Everyone, today I am here with my friend Andy Pearson, who's the VP of Creative of Liquid Death. Before I hop in, let's start it off right. Crack a nice cold liquid death sparkling water. While I take my first sip, Andy, say hello and give a little bit of backstory. Yeah, cheers, brother. Cheers, man. Hey, guys. Um, I'm, as you said, I'm Andy Pearson. I'm a VP of creative at Liquid Death, which means basically anything that goes out the door that isn't water is uh, is something that that I kind of look at and, and help shape from social uh social stuff we're doing uh campaign work signage uh partnerships um merch i mean kind of runs the gamut of basically anything that comes out of out of liquid death uh goes through me and before that i spent about 13 years on the advertising agency side as a copywriter and creative director at a number of um fairly well (laughs) well well respected agencies i guess i'd say Um, but i'm very happy to be part of liquid death i've been there about a year now Cool. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get into what liquid death is for the uninitiated. I do want to start off with an anecdote of my initiation. So I had heard of liquid death numerous times. Um, you know, uh, the high level here is what Li- liquid death is a water company. Um, and we'll put nuance on that throughout the episode. Uh, I was at a trade show earlier this year. I had a bottle of water. It'll go unnamed. Um, I happened to Across the liquid death, death uh, event booth. And I was like, oh, you know, I've been meaning to try this, especially the mango, because I heard a lot of good things. And um, my hands were full. So the young lady was like, oh, do you want me to hold that for you? And so she held my water bottle, passed me a liquid death, and then she threw the uh, existing water bottle <laughs> into the trash can and said, there, I fixed it for you. And uh, <laughs> immediately my heart grew 20 times in size. And I was like, you know what? I bloody love you. Um, so it was a pretty amazing experience. And I think indicative of what one would expect from a brand whose name is liquid death. Um, so for those who are uninitiated, can you give us a little crash course on the magic that is liquid death, how it got started, the whole premise? Sure. Um, someone <clears throat> asked us the other day to distill it down to how you explain it. And I guess the shortest way for me to explain liquid death is to say that it it's an evil plan to make the world healthier and more sustainable um and (laughs) we're doing that through um trying to replace both sugary and and you know unhealthy beverages with water and replacing plastic bottle single-use plastic bottles with infinitely recyclable aluminum, aluminum cans and um you know, the, the brand was started about, about three years ago, um, by our founder and CEO, Mike Cesario. And he, who himself had a background in the advertising uh, world, which you can tell from everything, right? It's a, it's a yeah. highly conceptual brand. Um, and it, it really came into a space that was, I mean, when you just look at every other water that's in the category, it's 
all the same, 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 same. And that's why Liquid Death, one of the, I would say, many reasons we've had such success is because it just instantly stands out and you're like, what is that? And um, yeah, and the the basic idea was, can we take the healthiest thing for you, water, and package it and market it as if it's the least healthiest thing for you? So making it look like a beer, stealing kind of the tricks and tropes of uh, you know, whether it's energy drink advertising or junk food advertising, all these things, and then not just stealing them, but actually making fun of them and making them more extreme and sort of satirizing them in, in the first place. And so building a whole brand that really for the first time is unlocking, again, health and sustainability, but for people that have never had that ever presented to them, right? Like until now, um, most health foods are and, and sustainable products are really targeted at like the NPR tote carrying whole foods shopping crowd. And, um, and so we're just unlocking it for a whole new category of people that everyone cares about having, you know, in everyone cares about what they put in their bodies. Everyone cares about what we're doing to the planet, but no one's acting like it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and no one's democratizing that in a wider sense and having, fun doing it in the first place. And so that's sort of, again, goes back to kind of the encapsulation of our evil plan. <laughs> if that makes no, sense. I absolutely adore it, man. It does make sense. And I think there's, there's gotta be a certain level of, of satisfaction. I mean, so, um, you were in the, the advertising industry. I mean, you still are just a client side as, as many would call it. Yeah. Um, Cicero, Cicero was obviously there as well, like you said, and, and, in the industry, we spend a lot of time coming up with what I think are amazing ideas. And I've worked on a lot of teams before founding Vigor and during the founding um, and growth of Vigor. I've seen some some brilliant work out there, and I've seen it just totally shot down, watered down, beiged out on the floor um, for something safer, something a little more comfy. And so there's got to be a sense of satisfaction in doing this and watching it take off and work. A little bit of a, I knew it. Um, explain to me, how, how has that felt so far? Like when you put, when you put this out there, you know, you kind of have uh, the free reign to do some wild shit. Oh, and I said shit. So I guess the explicit content. I was going to say, you told me, yeah, you told me not to say anything. You broke the seal, man. Um, yep. <laughs> it's your fault from here on out. Um, right. no, I mean, I mean, it's, I guess on a personal level, it's, it's super satisfying. I, I think, um, but I'll say, you know, again, I wasn't there from the founding, I think for for Mike and for some of the people that were on even earlier, there was a point where all that they heard was like, this is never going to work. This is the absolute dumbest idea. No one will ever go for this. And, you know, he's really stuck to creatively stuck to, um, you know, the mission and, and, and because knew what the, what the opportunity was and how to, how to grow this thing. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it's incredibly satisfying to, to see it everywhere now. I think, you know, I always, it's funny cause people always be like, oh man, you guys are everywhere. And we're like, yeah, that's, that's the idea. Um, world domination, but, the operative word is world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, on a personal level, I think it's, it's really, you know, after working in an, in an industry for so long where you have very little agency ironically about what you're pushing and what you're helping to promote i think like i had a personal moment or a series of moments years ago where i was like oh i can use my skills to help maybe make a difference like we all have these amazing skills that we hone and we can either sell 
Ritz crackers, or we can like help try to, you know, change planet earth. Um, and not saying that, not saying that, that we're single-handedly doing that, but I do think, um, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of something that I genuinely see a, a change in, in the way people are, are thinking about stuff. And, and, and I'll go back for a second to when you asked about the founding, I think, you know, originally the idea was like, let's put water in a beer can and have fun with that idea. And Mike and the others, as they were working on it, they were like, well, why is all water put in a plastic bottle? Like, why do, why do we do that? Why don't, why don't we have aluminum cans for water? Because we have it for everything else. You mm-hmm. go buy a soda, you have aluminum in it, you drink a beer, it's not aluminum. Why don't we do that for water? And it really goes back to this. The answer they found was it really goes back to this whole premise that the water market is founded on, you know, purity and, Mm -hmm. and, and how pure the water is, right. That's basically how everything is marketed vapor or cloud vapor distilled or all, all this stuff like that about the purity. And so part of the, the idea behind the marketing was like, we have to literally put in a clear packaging so that it proves how, how pure and clear it is. And, um, and so it, it, it's kind of funny when you think through the result of that marketing strategy is that it's gotten to us this place where there are plastic bottles that are, you know, choking our rivers and oceans and on our beaches and land and they're, you know, piling up in landfills. And it's all comes from this kind of marketing idea that like people have to see water to know that it's not full of sludge or something, you know? And so it really, and and so the way I like to kind of think of it is like marketing got us into this, into this problem. And maybe liquid death can be a little part of what helps get us out of it and helps recalibrate the way we think of, you know, we think of environmental issues and, and our real choices as a brand. And so, or sorry, as, as people, right. What we choose to support and what we put our money towards. And I'm, I'm always heartened when I see, you know, we, we express it as this, uh, message of like death to plastic is kind of what we always talk about. And I'm always heartened to see the kind of social content stuff that people make and post around the brand that come from people that I I don't think would ever make that kind of content or like loudly proclaim death to plastic ever before, but we're, right. we're pulling in a lot of new people into this and sort of actively having people actively think about the choices they're making as consumers. And so my hope is that not just for the water category, but in general, everyone starts to evaluate the choices and then demand better from, from companies that are upstream from them. Yeah. And I think what I love about the brand so much is that irreverence, but like you said, it's, it's, it's truly ironic that there is this irreverence. There is this sort of thumbing at the nose of, of what is considered, um, I don't want to say good branding because this is great branding, but like, this is what, this is what water looks like. You know what I mean? This, this is what it has to be. Now you could put a little mountain on it if you'd like, uh, maybe, maybe like you said, a rain cloud, that'd be nice, but this is what it looks like. So I I love that that's there, but one of the things, and I wonder how much this was or, or how much this is discussed is yes, we have this positive effect on our planet, which is so amazing, um, for all the reasons you laid out, but there's also, this looks cool when you're standing at a bar and you don't feel <laughs> sure. so 
silly being a DD or just standing there twiddling your thumbs. You get the experience of drinking a beer. It's in a pounder. Um, so, uh, you know, there probably is some measurable decline in, in, in drunk driving as well. I don't want to like start labeling things. I'm sure you haven't measured it, yeah. but was that part of some of the thinking is like, how do we make this just badass enough to where people like drinking it in a bar? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that was sort of, the idea was to make a party water, <laughs> you know, so again, yeah. same thing that the, the things that, you know, so that you don't feel like the lame that's having to order like another diet Coke or whatever from the, like, you know, um, that that's absolutely part of it. And I think the funny thing is, um, we're kind of here for everybody for whatever choices. I don't, we're not trying to be like a sober water. And it's really funny because I think a lot of people, the brand has so many, has so many facets to it that I find that people come into it in, in totally different ways. Some people love the environmental side of it. Some people I've heard, like there's been other podcasts where they're like, Oh, that's sober water, liquid death. Um, and you know, I, that's not, we're never pushing that kind of thing. If you look at our Instagram feed, we have cocktails that we make out of liquid death all the time. You know, mm -hmm. um, we're not, we're not trying to be that, but obviously we want to support anyone in, in, making healthier choices. And so whether that's like, literally, you know, we don't drink enough water, we all need to drink more water, or whether that's like, hey, replacing your, maybe replace your beer with, um, you know, with a water instead, or if you don't drink at all, um, here's something that you can carry. Or we get, we get emails all the time from, you know, parents of teenagers that are like, thank you so much. My, my child was addicted to energy drinks. And like, in was just drinking energy drinks every single day and they've switched over and now they can, they really enjoy drinking liquid death and literally, you know, helping improve their health and, and well-being. So that idea of wellness can be in a lot of different senses. And I think the, the cool thing about the brand is we have so many different parts to us that we kind of contain all those simultaneously and however you find your way to it, whether it's the humor, whether it's the eco message, whether it's the health, whatever it is, like we're, we're there for that. And then we'll give you something else by saying like, Hey, not only that, but you don't have to have a plastic bottle or not only that, but we make really hilarious content instead of ads. So yeah. there's sort of a different ways in and then, and then you, you're, you're in from there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love that you guys have practiced what you preach. Look, you're, you're zigging when everyone else is zagging, or zag when everyone else zigs. I forget which one it is, um, and it, and it's working. I heard, like I said, I heard, so the other day I heard pee when everyone else is pooing, so I was like, yeah, we'll do oh, that too. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it anyway. So yes, um, <laughs> that could be a complete uh, dangerous rabbit hole of uh, hilarity. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> the water category in in general has been amazing to watch, um, especially if you kind of pull in the alcoholization of seltzers and all of that. Hmm. And and it wasn't, but maybe what fifteen twenty years ago, you know, I remember my dad scoffing at buying a bottle of water, you know, it's like, if we got water at home, why, why do you need that? Um, but now yeah. we have stuff like liquid death. We have aha, we have uh, Waterloo, we have LaCroix, which has been around for a while. Maybe it's LaCroix. We don't know. Um, the list goes on. And now, I mean, I even saw black water. I don't know if that's on your radar where the water is literally black. Um, I think yeah. it has carbon it's been around in it. for a while. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it, for me, it was new. For a while. Yeah. yeah. So it's amazing to see, um, how, what is the path forward for liquid death? How do you maintain your position? How do you strengthen it? Um, and, and what do those conversations look like inside the four walls? 
<laughs> maybe I, I maybe know know that I can get like, in. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I I, can, I don't know that I can go into too much of detail on that. I'll just say, you know, I think that we have carved out an increasingly large niche of this very large pie, and I think, um, you know, we're growing, we're growing rapidly. Um, we just had a Wall Street Journal article about us this past weekend that came out and, and it, it was mentioned we're expected growth by 300% next year. I mean, we're, we're Amazing. going nuts. Um, and because people, you know, want healthier, again, people want healthier choices. We're giving something that is just doesn't exist and we're approaching the way we present it in a way that has never existed. And again, it's like, it makes sense. You line up the whole category and it, which one of the same do you want? Um, and you know, I think we've, we've dipped our toe into flavors. Like you said, the mango chainsaw and severed lime and, uh, buried alive. Those have been super successful for us. Um, cause we, but because we built off of this one differentiator, which was still water in a can. And that was the whole premise. And from there, the sparkling water, and then from there, the flavors. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're, going to continue to march towards global domination you know we want every <laughs> we want every beverage to be a liquid death one day um because uh there's just there's i think as you you see from the marketing side of things we are uh never at a loss for ideas and new ideas and so um i think this you know the sky's the limit on on where we go i think that i, I think i it's it's kind of up to us. That's the exciting thing too. Just going back to the talk we're having about being on the brand side or client side is like building a startup. It's all up to us on whether it's amazing or whether it fizzles. And so um, we're kind of always overflowing with ideas and stuff that we want to do. And um, you know, there's definitely will be more to come um, yeah. from. Yeah, that's, about all, when... that's about as much I can say. You know what I mean? No, of course. Yeah, yeah. We don't want trade secrets. I mean, I want trade secrets. But um, yeah. <laughs> what I think would be good to explore too is, um, you know, the, the listeners of the show. We we have a lot of uh, restaurant leaders. We have a lot of food and beverage leaders that listen. But we also have creatives that that you tune in. Um, can you tell me a little bit of how the adjustment from agency side to client side has gone, and and how have you made sure that you don't reach a point? Um, where you're burnt out on the brand. Cause I think that's the fear for a lot of uh, creatives mm. in jumping into a singular brand, right? How, how do you fight that off and how do you maintain that energy? <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I would say it's definitely not a problem here. <laughs> Everything we do every single day, I'm like, wow, that was the craziest day at liquid death ever. We had this conversation with this person and we're going to do this and we're launching this new product. And I mean, it is, it's so wild. I, I remember, I remember when I first started, I was looking at our Instagram feed and I was like, I scrolling and I was like, man, this is a mess. This, there, it's all over the place. It's nothing's consistent. And very quickly I realized it was like, oh, that's the whole point. And my job here as kind of lead creative is to give everyone whiplash, creative whiplash. That's the fun part about liquid death is you literally never know what we're going to do next. Right. You, you, the first time you see it, it's this crazy experience of like, what is this thing? And then anytime we launch new marketing or a new social post or literally a new piece of merch, it's like, 
wow, I did not see that coming. And so kind of in a world where all brands are trying to maintain these like long tailed marketing campaigns and try to have like parity of voice and a consistency and all this stuff, we're actively everything that we put out should be a full 180 from the last thing that you saw. And we've sometimes even made choices where there was something launching within, you know, a couple months of something else that was like kind of similar. And we're like, all right, let's change the whole, the whole way we're going to shoot and edit this and the whole, the whole execution of it, just so that it doesn't even come close to being like that other thing that we did. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's every day is, is pretty wild. And I think, um, the way that I've come to understand it more recently is in a world where everyone's trying to build and maintain a brand. I don't think of liquid death so much as a brand, as much as a, a character. And what I mean by that is that if you're writing for television, you have all these characters and you get to know the character very intimately and you throw them in new situations or they find themselves in new situations. And then you're kind of asking, well, what would the character do in that situation? Or given this new, new input, how do they react or what little part of their personality is maybe revealed here that we didn't really fully understand before. And so I think like, rather than having, like, we don't have a brand book, like it does, doesn't exist. Cause we just are like, we're not going to write it. Even if we wrote it, no one would read it. Um, so we'd rather like kind of just build, build liquid death over time by these little pieces of content and putting out and giving, giving it to people and have them, you know, collectively build what liquid death means, um, you know, by the content they give back to us. But I, I really like to think of it rather than me, like, you know, our brand will do these things, but it will never do this thing. And our spirit animal is Jimmy Fallon and all this like <laughs> kind of bullshit marketing stuff. I like to think of it as a character and then it's just, it, it becomes much more exciting to like, be like, Hey, if we're doing a partnership with, with this, with, uh, this guitar brand, like what would we do in that situation? Like what, where do we go with it rather than approaching it from such a, a like a sterile point of like having a brand that we have to always maintain. Um, and that's kind of a really freeing thing, I think, to think about it that way. Yeah. I mean, preaching to a choir here, uh, we, we all know, what a lot of how a lot of brands and brand managers manage their brands. It is very regimented. It <laughs> is very, and, and the way that we at Vigor have always thought about it is a little more like character driven where I always mm. make the uh, correlation to a human, you know, I might wear in wintertime, a leather jacket to a bar. And the next night I might wear a suit, uh, depending on the mm. place, depending on that, that's just a part of my unique personality. And I, I think, you know, us as humans, we aren't, well, most of us are not one personality, one way all the time. We do have idiosyncrasies. We do have, you know, differentiators and things like that. I mean, even someone like Mike Tyson, you know, likes to play with pigeons, you know? So it's like, right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very different. So I love that way of thinking. What was there? It sounds, if I'm reading in between lines, it sounds like there was a bit of an adjustment coming from the agency to a world where it is newer or different thinking about brands compared to being an agency where you have this creative brief, this is our brand, thou shall not step outside of it um, too far, at least. I don't, I wouldn't say an adjustment. 
I think it was just, um, if, if anything, it was like an opening of the world. And I was like, Oh, before I was just getting to getting to like pitch campaigns and write TV spots. And now it's like, Oh wow. I have all these other levers I can pull. And like, how do we approach merch as the most creative brand on the planet and, and build stuff that isn't just slapping our logo on something, but genuinely building a surprising conceptual piece of merch that, that we want to sell out in an hour that we launch, or, you know, how do we make retail signage super fun and, and surprising when you walk in a store? How do we, um, you know, there's just, there's so many different things to play with and so many things on a personal level that I had to learn stepping into this role. Um, but, but I, but that was probably more the adjustment is, is realizing how little I knew and, then perhaps gaining a little bit more appreciation for past clients I've had where they, they, they knew so much more. And I was just this creative coming in pitching silly ideas that I had no concept of the rest of their business. But the great thing here with liquid death is we're both agency and client simultaneously. And so for us, it's like, we have a, we have an idea and we're like, cool, let's just go make that. We don't, (laughs) there's no churn. There's no presentations. We're just like, Oh man, I had this idea when I was coming in uh, this morning. What if we did this? And they were like, "Love it, let's go make it." And so that's really how we operate: is is this very fast turnover of ideas, and um, you know, wanting to make stuff that we want to make, and not putting ourselves on any like timeline or wasting time and and energy and resources doing all the kind of you know all the other stuff that happens around the act of just being creative in the first place. Yeah. And it sounds like, uh, Instagram is your, is the, the focus, um, not the end all be all, but definitely a focal point and creating content on that platform. How have you, um, how have you leveraged the push and pull between, uh, the feed stories and reels? Um, and, and how do you approach, um, what content goes where, how do you get the traction that you want to get on there? Cause if that, if you're not paying for it, there's obviously a lot of discussions around that data and, and how do you optimize, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I think, as I said, we, we push out so much stuff all the time that for us, it's just sort of like, well, let's test it. Let's see, let's see what this thing does. And over time, we've kind of developed, uh, our own set of guidelines of understanding like, Oh, this is the kind of thing that's going to crush. These are the kind of things people are looking for. And then a lot of it is also collaborating with, um, with, you know, artists and comedians and stuff that maybe other brands wouldn't necessarily look, look to work with, but also are doing amazing stuff. But, you know, someone may not want to, may not think to go there with them or may not give them free reign to do what we would, you know, what, what we would hand them the keys to. So, um, yeah, I think like we've, we've kind of just worked over time to figure out, um, you know, at least like, especially the in-feed stuff, what, what works the best for us. Um, and then also we're, we're doing that over on the TikTok. I mean, we're growing massively. We're like 2.7 million on TikTok right now. We're 1.2 on Instagram. We're, um, we're, we're beating pretty much every like combined audience beating, um, almost every other British brand out there. And we're three years old. Yeah. So and that, that makes a bloody statement. I mean, it, 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 anyone who's not paying attention should really perk up and pay attention because the theories and the idea and this, this approach 
it's it's not like this has to be a lightning strike. I mean, it's it's really what many creatives, many design thinkers, and even brand strategists have been pushing for is like stop doing what everyone else is doing. We we've all heard the yeah. heard the adages. You know, if you spend your time trying to fit in, you're going to waste your budget trying to stand out. And we see it over right. and over again, though, because that comfort level. So I love how uncomfortable from the very onset this brand is, but how perfect it has been and it's imperfection, it's irreverence and all that. Um, so two more questions and I'll let you get back to your day. Question number one, <laughs> what is the most favorite thing you've done with liquid death so far? And I know it's like trying to ask what your favorite child is, but here I am asking. Oh man. Oh God. Uh, one of the things and it, and it's one of the smaller pieces we made God, this is really hard. One of the, one of the things that I personally like the best, just because the s- story behind it a little bit, is um, there was this guy on TikTok who his whole his whole account was just him chugging a liquid death for fifteen seconds straight every day, and he was coming up on a year of doing that, and that's literally all it was. He'd just sit there, crack it, song would play, fifteen seconds, and he's out. And um, we it was coming up on like it was coming up to a year of him doing this. And I, I'd started relatively recently and we were like, what are we going to do for this dude? Like he's been doing it. And I, we couldn't figure it out. We kind of kept pushing. Well, like we'll come up with something next week. And then it literally got up on the date and we're like, Oops, sorry. Shoot. We, no, no, we, uh, we, okay, we already have it. Oh, we crossed the bridge. <laughs> okay, cool. So we're, we're, like, we gotta, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, fuck, we got to come up with something for this, for this dude. And the, and one thing that's really cool about the brand is that it's caught on so much that people get tattoos of our logo all over their body. We get stuff on a, weekly basis, sometimes more, more often than a weekly basis of someone that's gotten it on their hand, on their arm, on like a couple of head tattoos, like, I mean, it's wild. People are now getting low tattoos of our merch, just like our merch art and stuff like that, not beyond our logo. So it's getting even more meta, but, and, and we always give people like one guy that had his head got water for life from us. We always give him water and we say thanks. And, but so we're like, man, all these fans have been getting a tattoo of Liquid Death. What if Liquid Death could get a fat tattoo of a fan for the first time? <laughs> and so I went to I went to Mike and I was like, I have this idea where we want you to get a tattoo of this dude's face instead of the reverse. And Mike has like has got sleeves, you know, all the whole yeah. deal. Um, and because I also like this idea because I was like, there's no other or very few other brands on the planet where the CEO is like, sure, I'm going to get a tattoo of that random dude's face on my arm. And, um, and Mike was like, yeah, let's do it. And so two days later, he's in a, he's in his place, getting it, getting it, the whole thing done. He has this big ass, (laughs) this random guy's head on his arm just down here for the rest of his life. And, uh, and we posted, we made a little short video about it. You know, it took two days to put together and, and threw it out there. And, um, I don't know. I just, I think that's like kind of emblematic of the way we like to think. And then also, I mean, the, the guy literally was like, we posted it and the guy was like, I'm literally crying right now. And I don't know. It just, it, it like, I think it's the liquid death story for so many reasons, because we have someone at the top who's willing to go there with 
who has driven us there with that. And, um, and on top of that, like rewarding fans and making this really like interactive experience. I think it's, I think of us as a really interactive brand. And then we went out and made this thing in a matter of two or three days and got out in the world. And then it really meant something to the person that, that we made it for. And so I think there's a lot of heart behind the brand too, that, you know, is hidden under all the humor and all the craziness and everything. But I think it just kind of like really nicely encapsulates like what makes us us. And so that's, that would be my very long winded answer to your simple question. It's a fantastic <laughs> answer. Um, I'm, I'm jealous. We we've only had one instance that I know of where a fan of a brand we were working on got a tattoo. So we, we only got an ankle tattoo out of it. So I think I need to mm. rethink my goals and uh, <laughs> go, I want a head yeah. tattoo. Yeah. get Someone needs to get yeah. a head tattoo of one of the brands that we do. Um, that's fantastic. Last question, equally as hard. If you had one final meal on this planet, what would you eat and where and why? Oh, man. Um, I would probably be in a random plaza in San Sebastian, Spain, eating eating just whatever I'm grabbing off the pinch shows that I'm grabbing off the bar. And, uh, it's like nine o'clock at night and kids are running around and we're just eating this, the, like the simplest, like just most gorgeous food in the world in a, in a beautiful place. We went there on my honeymoon and, uh, we managed to eat at, they have that list of like, you know, the top 50 restaurants in the world. Yeah. And we managed to book, we managed to get bookings at, Three of them are in and around San Sebastian, but it was all within a 36 hour period. So one was like Arzak the first night, then Mugaritz the second night, and then Exhibari. They only had for lunch the next day. So within 36 hours, we ate at like three of the top restaurants in the world. And that night, we both woke up like screaming in pain in our Airbnb and we're like, we have gout. We've given ourselves gout <laughs> by eating the fanciest food in the world and like we legit thought we we're gonna have to go to a hospital um oh, so my answer is that i would make keep it more simple just keep it at the random a random tapas bar on the plaza somewhere but do that i love it man so uh very much jealous for my 40th two years ago i was supposed to um we my wife and i had planned to start uh in lower Spain outside of where my, like part of my family is originally from and then work our way up through Basque to San Sebastian and then over to Bordeaux and then, uh, maybe not oh, come back, you know, and instead, <laughs> uh, I did a steak dinner here in Atlanta because of the pandemic. So, yeah, yeah. well, it's still on my time. list. Uh, are you a Do Hemingway it. fan or just San Sebastian was on your list? Oh, yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Oh, I, I was I like a Spanish major in I was like Spanish major in college and I've I've been to Spain more than anywhere else in the world, you know. Love it. Wonderful. I tried to run across it one time. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to drive across it. But all right, man, that was a fantastic answer. Hey, thanks for all the insights. Thanks for sharing some time with us. Um I love yeah. the product, I love the brand, I love what you're doing. Can't say enough about it. And uh yeah, man. Um until next time. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. If you love what we served up, please follow us at Vigor Branding on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Medium. Fork Tales is produced by the team at Vigor. Audio and video post-productions provided by Zencaster. Music performed by Jet Trash and licensed through musicbed.com. Yeah.
Joseph handles his own hair, makeup, and stunts. Copyright 2003 to 2021, Vigor Graphic Design, LLC, all rights reserved.